This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Forever. Dog. Do not go gentle into that good night. Poetry, I feel, is a tyrannical discipline. I was trying to tell a story. The book came to me in a sort of a haze. This is how to write a good short story. No hope, just booze and madness. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness. Now, lend me your ears. Hello and welcome to Literati, a podcast about books and the idiots who write them. We, as always, are your faithful hosts. I'm Michael the Fox Wolf. And I'm Colin the, insert nickname here, O'Brien. Now, it's no secret that Michael and I are extremely well-read and very smart. You know, that's very true and it isn't a secret. You can ask anybody. And if you do insist on asking someone to verify that claim, please let that someone be one of us. Yeah, we've found that with regards to that particular claim of us being smart and well-read, once you start asking people who are not one of the two of us to substantiate it, the answers start varying wildly and the truth gets clouded. Honestly, it's just best that you take our word for it that we are very, very smart intellectuals and let's just all move the fuck on. <laughs> exactly. And while you're at it, you can also take our word that each week millions of our adoring listeners mm. write to us or stop us in the streets or find us in our homes when we're sleeping and terrifyingly shake us awake to ask us, Colin, Michael, how can I be as smart as you? To which we say, probably not going to happen, bruh. Our brains are like next level shit, man. But you can appear to be smarter. To which they say, okay, yeah, tell me how to do that then. And so that's what we're going to do. Sure. Michael and I are going to teach you how to appear smarter. Mm. We've scoured the internet and pulled a number of common techniques people use to appear smarter. And we've compiled them here for you uh, so you can get all the benefits of seeming intelligent without having to waste your time learning or growing as a person. You know, a lot of people say uh, they talk about putting makeup on a pig as if that's a bad thing. But personally, I've found that uh, I've become quite attracted to and had long uh, physical and sexual relationships with a number of pigs uh, only because of the really good contouring they had. Yeah. And so that was just a short detour mm. of Michael explaining his sexual history with pigs before before we get into how to teach you how to appear to be smarter. But there is some sort of connection there that of I can't get further into without getting confused and implicating myself for crime. So, Colin, should we give them some of these tips? Yeah, let's. Uh, so we got a bunch here. I say let's just pick them and uh, pick, start picking them sure, out. And, sure, sure. Uh, so uh, one of the uh, tips to appear yeah. smarter is to, uh, to uh, teach yourself stuff. Great. So uh, you Be an know. autodidact. As it's called. What? It's a, an autodidact. So that's a term oh, I taught myself. This is like, uh, like working on cars or something? Close, Colin. Uh, you're working on uh, yourself. So if you were a car, uh, <laughs> you were the auto 
uh, person for that car, but instead you're didacting your auto. So you are, it basically means you teach yourself something. Okay. And I also do call my bedroom the auto zone. That's true. Yeah. Now, why is that? Because it's always muffled. Yeah, yeah, I do. I did uh, put up a lot of uh, soundboards. Okay, inside great. That keeps it all there. Another one that I like uh, is wear glasses. Oh yeah. Now, so uh, have you had any experience with wearing glasses to appear smarter? So much so. So my eyes are bad and getting worse, uh, and so I wear a pair of glasses around to see. But I found that people still treat me like an idiot. So I've started wearing two, three, four more <laughs> pairs of glasses uh, on top of those, on the back of my head, uh, around my neck in a little chain you like a librarian. You are currently wearing what looks like a like a uh, Rambo-style sash yes, that he a would bandetta. keep. Uh, yeah, well, a bullets. bandolier. Yeah, it's a bandolier but it's just filled of with... Of Warby Parkers. Yeah, exactly. And I have one monocle, but I can't tell you where it is. <laughs> That's uh, naughty. Another tip that you can use to appear smarter... Uh, is use your middle initial. Mm. Yeah, so I do this a lot on my website. It's themichaeljwolf.com. Oh, you okay? And I so, go by Michael J. Wolf. Yeah, and sounds uh, a little smarter. Uh, what I do is uh, I I have a lot of middle names. Oh, really? Yeah, and so my I just use uh, it's sort of an acronym yeah. in between my name. Okay, and it uh, spells out Michael. And so then I just use that. So it looks like Colin Michael O'Brien, but it's actually Colin. M I C H A E L O'Brien, and that each one of those is a name is a different that name. You got. That's yeah. cool. and that definitely makes me think you're smarter and exactly. not you know an insane person. Yeah. George R R Martin, it worked for that's uh, true. Yeah, and so. I, I, it's just it adds a little bit of sophistication, an air of I don't know, maybe it, it harkens back to the days of kings and queens, yeah. uh, esquires, and and all that. Here's another one. Um, Believe in yourself. If you can't be smarter, at the least you can do is believe that you're smarter and have that confidence. That'll knock down doors. That'll really open a lot of pathways for you that might not be there otherwise. Have you had any experience where uh, believing in yourself, Michael, has uh, enabled you to achieve something? Uh, I held my breath underwater for 15 minutes. Uh, The lifeguard said it couldn't happen, and the doctor said I was dead for about... (laughs) 14 minutes now, underwater. Did, did the lifeguard ask uh, say that it couldn't be done, or did the lifeguard ask you not to do it? A little bit of both. Okay. Um, to be fair, I was also a lifeguard at this time, and okay. the first lifeguard, Ruth, said, hey, help me save some of these kids. And I was like, uh, hard pass. <laughs> and I, then you said, I'd rather hold my breath underwater for 15 minutes. Right, and Ruth was busy saving some toddler. And at that point, I had dropped my Spongebob popsicle into the pond I was guarding lives at. So I went down there, started licking it, and the rest is 15 minutes of history. Wow. Everybody gets their 15 minutes of fame. (laughs) Uh, Another tip to appear smarter, uh, they say dress for success. Ah, this is a big one. Yeah, that's why I uh, always, Mm. always, always, always like to wear no less than... 10 gold medals around my neck. Mm, mm-hmm. Your posture is awful. <laughs> it is terrible. <laughs> but you look yeah. very fancy. Basically, I'm dragging my head along the ground as I walk. <laughs> yes. You know that um, chart of the evolution of man? Uh, <laughs> and it starts sort of this hunched over uh, primitive yeah. Neanderthal. Colin has <laughs> sort of furthered that chart to where his yeah. head is it, down right by his toes. It's kind of more of a bell graph at this point. Yes, where It yes. sort of goes, it's... It, where, Your spine uh, <laughs> is a parabola. <laughs> exactly. And I wear no less than a five-piece suit. 
And the first uh, three pieces are pretty normal. Uh, the fourth piece is a bandana that I wear around my head, Rambo style, yeah. kind of completing that look. Mm-hmm. And the fifth piece is, of course, a diaper. <laughs> yeah, but a fancy... Outside the uh, suit? Yes, outside, yeah. okay. because I already have my under diaper. Mm-hmm. I like to wear those... Uh, what are the... the, the uh... They're like the vests you see a lot of like the interns on Wall Street or like the the business. Uh, oh, like, like the Patagonia. Yeah, I like um, to wear one of those outside my tuxedo yeah. whenever I go to very. Just <laughs> to say you're casual, yeah. you're making deals, trades. Exactly. Now, Colin, here's one that I like. Uh-huh. Um, ask questions rather than statements. Ooh, that's a good one. That'll yeah. come in handy because. Do you think it is? Hmm. Well, what do you think, Michael? I really uh, am more interested in what do you think, Colin? <laughs> Um, Well, I guess I'd have to answer that question uh, with another question. Mm. Uh, Any thoughts on that yourself? Uh, How smart do I seem to you? Uh, How smart do you think you seem? So, yeah, that just sort of was a riveting intellectual conversation (laughs) and not an improv 101 game. And I also, uh, you know, I like to sound smarter by just... uh, you know, if you ask questions, you seem interested, which makes you sound interesting. So mm. I like to insert myself into groups of people that I do yeah. not know and just say, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> Aggressive. Yeah. Just coming in and intro. Yeah. And they're immediately like, oh, what's this guy's yeah. deal? I do that on dates where I try to make it as much like a job interview as possible. <laughs> a lot of questions, not a lot of eye contact. Yeah. And I rarely, rarely give any of myself. And you, because you, that's for marriage. <laughs> you you do bring uh, your resume to each date. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because I'm very impressive. And I also want them to know that I have excelled in Microsoft Office Suite. <laughs> so those are just some tips. Yeah. Uh, do you think we covered them all? <laughs> I think we covered enough to make it a full segment. Great. And now here's somebody who I would certainly love to cover in segments of hugs. It's our reader for the day. Wow. We're so excited. And they are also, they appear very smart to me. Mm. Yeah. To no bring glasses. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't think that he's smart because we do. And now this person um, was, I don't know if you're going to believe this, was their high school class president. And a very uh, budding uh, creative young writer. Yeah, had this uh, dream of creative writing, kind of took a stab at it that I believe defined a little bit of his high school life and uh, is now coming around to attack that dream from another angle. And so we thought at Literati we would we would give him that yeah. chance. We, uh, we always like to support people who are following their dreams here on Literati. So please welcome Mike Kelton, everyone. Wow. Yeah. You guys... So oh my god! You. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I did just pick up a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. these are just tips you can take wherever you go out into the world. Uh, do you do anything to appear smarter? I uh, do ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I love asking mm-hmm. questions, mm-hmm. and now I'm realizing. Oh, is maybe, that true? You know what? <laughs> Why do you ask? <laughs> yes, this is fun. We're back into it. We're back into the questions thing. I, I, um. I, I find that you've got a very inquisitive nature. You're always rubbing your chin in a in a way that just sort of says, mm-hmm. I've either got something on there that I need to get off or I've got a deep thought that I'm trying to rub out. 
It's true. I recently had a physical and the oh. doctor said, what's wrong with your chin? And I said, oh. I don't think anything. And he goes, well, you've rubbed some of it off. Yeah, mm. it looks. Like, oh, okay. What is a, there's First a person to give themselves their own clap. Isn't there exactly. the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the bull in, uh, in, uh, Wall Street, Wall Street. Mm. There, there's the, the ass the, is gone. Too the many ass people have rubbed it. Yeah. Is it the Seriously? ass or the testicles that people rub? Oh. <laughs> I mean, Probably it both. depends on the day. It depends <laughs> yeah. on the day. Yeah, it depends. For I good think, luck, you yeah. rub the testicles. For but if you're f- just mad, you just rub that ass. You just rub that ass. That's <laughs> you gotta true. rub that ass. <laughs> gotta rub that ass. <laughs> yeah, Which you know, they, is also what I do when I'm thinking. Not the chin. Yeah. I rub. Well, yeah. you rub got the ass. seat removed from your chair, so you can reach underneath and yeah. just rub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mike, what are you here for today? Tell so, us a little bit about you. Let me tell you something, mm. you guys. I think I really love creative writing. Okay. It's and the best. I, it really is the so best. Good. It's you the, can't really be wrong. Exactly. There's nothing you can do that's wrong yeah. when you creatively just let it flow. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was a time in my life mm. when I was going down that journey of being a creative writer. Yeah. And it just so happened that I ran for president in ninth grade of my high school. Wow. And I decided to write an allegory as my speech. And I remember reading it to the class and they were so confused mm-hmm. that I won and I became president of my freshman class. That's amazing. Stories can be a powerful tool. Very powerful. And, and you you learn that at such a young age. Such a young age. Yeah. That's what's great with allegories and, and metaphors and analogies is a really good one just befuddles the mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It throws too many things in one place so you don't really know what to follow. And it just gets the mind churning and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And that's exactly what I felt like people were doing. As I looked out into the audience as a Mm. 14-year-old, I just saw a bunch of faces of other 14-year-olds going, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) And then I knew as I walked away, I was like, they're all voting for me. You had it in the bag. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing I want to hear from a 14-year-old, it's a... Mm Thick allegory. It's just a real <laughs> confusing, probably pretentious. You know, I, I'll share mm-hmm. a true fact about myself from my high school uh, talent show. Oh this my is very God, true. I'm my senior year, I decided to play a Bob Dylan song on guitar <laughs> because a lot of the current Foo Fighters music that my peers were listening to, I was a little bit above. So I said, I'll play some Bob Dylan, but I didn't want to play one that people liked or enjoyed or knew. I played The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll. What? An eight-minute-long song uh, about, you know, uh, racism in America. And I was pretty nervous. And a fixed fixed trial. Yes, and and a whole fixed trial. Like the, the... just sort of the injustices of society. In society. And my peers hated it. And pretty much everybody except one of my friend's dads who came up to me afterwards and he said, uh, nice job, kid. <laughs> it's a deep cut. I, I and really I immediately <laughs> left the auditorium and drove home. I really hope that uh, whoever uh, came took the stage after you at that talent show played ever long by the Foo Fighters and oh it was just God. raucous applause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much everybody else did pretty well because they were just fun and being themselves and I thought I want to use this opportunity to really show them. I really, I really want to ostracize almost everyone. I want to turn the mirror mm-hmm. on society in this high school <laughs> and uh, shine a light on racism in America wow. that I really had a unique viewpoint to. Sounds like you the did words it. Of Bob Dylan. 
Well, let's just say that I'm not friends with a lot of them now, so I did do something. <laughs> that ultimately is the goal of higher education. Yes. To get to a place where you're not speaking to anyone you went to high school with. Yes. <laughs> so in a, in a way, you won. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Now, Mike, um, you aren't reading that speech today. No, I'm not. So that speech was about... Um, it was about a, a family of sponges that lived in an oven. Okay. And, okay, yeah, I'm already lost um, and a little mad. Yep, and that's exactly what you should be feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, and then one day, one one of the sponges, number 13, because the mom had too many sponges and she called them numbers, not names. Was this a, So this wasn't a children's story that you wrote? I guess it was for kids, yeah. in a way. You know, if you're a bunch of sponges living in an oven, that feels very kid-friendly to me. Yeah, that does. And um, also a little scary. There, Yeah, could be. Well, also, ovens are only scary if they're on. That's true. Oh. That's true. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise it's a cupboard. Same with exactly. Roller a lot coasters. of people keep their shoes in them. I've a been finding out recently. A lot of people keep really? their shoes in I their ovens. I did not know that. Because no one's cooking in New York, so they just use it as a closet. That's true. Uh, roller mm -hmm. coasters are also only scary if they're on. Exactly. Otherwise, oh. it's just a bench with friends. And that's that's true. Yeah, that's true. A lot of things like that. I mean, that wasn't really what the allegory was about. Yeah, vibrators but, are only scary when they're on. Yeah, those are really scary when they're on. <laughs> um, anyway, so that that allegory really got me to be class president. And I, I ended up um, making the freshman class around $600 that year from some bake sales. That's not nothing. Which is not nothing. That's not nothing. No. And then I left that school to go to performing arts high school in the city. Um, and... Left them with that. So I was like, "This is yours." So you took a you took a turn in away from the written arts into the performing arts. I think when you find your true passion, your instinct is to run away. Mm. And I ran away from my creative writing passion, and I have not revisited it until earlier today when I sat down and I wrote something that I think is really gonna tickle. Your spirits. Oh, that's great. Michael and I did the same thing with dirt biking. Our yeah. true passion, we just had to run away from it. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, now we're here. It's too powerful. Yeah. But I'm, I'm so excited for this yeah. reading. It's always fun to get a fresh one. I hate when people, you know, when they've been sitting on it too long and it's nice to get one that's, you know, to use a word that's been bandied around a lot today, fresh out of the oven. Fresh out of the oven. Like a pair of shoes. And or a sponge. This, or a sponge <laughs> fresh out of the oven. This is fresh out of the oven. It's called... Uh, the the initial title mm. was Status of the Quo, and the new title is Sheba the Beer. Sheba of Nazareth, they called her. She was a goddess, a witch, a wizard, a wife, a daughter, a cook, a sister, an artist, but most importantly, a cobbler. Sheba was born to Tarun and Kapik of Nazareth, two honest bakers, <laughs> with not much more than a shabroof to their name. They had always dreamed about having a child, but goddess Shakira would not bless them with one. You see, a long time ago, Tarun made a grave mistake that brought a curse onto his family. Tarun was walking to town to fetch some milk for the chicken he was baking. He only had three shabroofs to his name, but unfortunately a jug of milk was only one shabroof. So he brought one shabroof with him. As he approached the milk salesman with shoes on his hands for optimum pouring, Tarun thought he saw a bee and screamed. The scream caused a fright, and the milk salesman fell backwards into the well of milk, which had never happened in the history of Nazareth. All of the people in the market came running to help the milk salesman, for he was the most beloved milk salesman in all the land. 
No one would dare buy milk from the man outside the town with the shoes on his feet. It would be unsanitary and almost evil. The milk salesman continued to fall. That was a very deep well. The townsfolk all jumped into the well thinking it was just a few feet deep with milk, but they were all mistaken. One by one, everyone in the town fell to their death, leaving only Tarun standing in front of the milk well all alone. Tarun was so embarrassed, for he himself had forgotten to shave that morning, and his beard was in the shape of a dick sticking right up in front of his face. (laughs) He had a weird hair condition where his beard would stick right up in the shape of a dick. You might think his beard was a hairy dick, which in fact, his current fiance, Kepik, loved. She sometimes confused his beard with his dick, and they would have very confusing romantic sessions in their bay window below the kitchen bed. Tarun was ashamed of himself. He, by accident, had murdered the entire town. He dropped to his knees as his beard dick hit him in the face, and he began to weep. He cried out for goddess Shakira. Shakira! What have I done? Where will I go? Who will I be? When will I be? Where will I be? When I learn how to be? Why is it me? Why can't I breathe whenever I think about you? Where have all the cowboys gone? Why can't I? When will I? And before Tarun could finish his bellows, a strange but beautiful figure stood before him. It was hard to make out who that figure was because she was shining like the sun or a neon light you would find outside of a milk bar above the F-stop in Carroll Gardens. Hello, Tarun. It is I. Whoosh. Tarun couldn't hear the name because the being was mumbling through it. It's weird. So Tarun asked, who is it? The being answered again, but this time with more gusto. It is I, Edge. Tarun still could not understand. It almost seemed like the being was having trouble pronouncing her name. Tarun asked one more time. Wait, who actually are you? The being became furious. How dare you question me? I am the all-knowing, the non-profit, the end-all-be-all, Edge. Tarun stood still and literally could not make out the name. He asked one more time. Wait, what is your name, though? With that, the being rose up in the air above Tarun, now trembling in confusion on the ground. Those who question my identity will be cursed, and so I shall curse thee. You, Tarun of Nazareth, will be cursed to never bear a child. You may bear a bear, but never a child. And with that, Tarun walked away, slowly picking up apples and other food from the market on his way out of town. She really needed that food. She was so hungry. Tarun ran home and never told his fiance because he feared she would never marry a man that could only bear a bear. To Tarun's surprise, Tarun and Kapik ended up getting pregnant and having a child, a beautiful baby girl named Sheba. Sheba went on to live a normal life in this town with nobody in it. The family went on baking and selling nothing because everyone was dead 
until one day on Sheba's 16th birthday, when a royal family marched into the town. The Cassidys, they called themselves. The Cassidys came in and took over the town with their incredible weapons. Guitars, drums, beautiful voices, a triangle, a Bermuda Triangle. The Cassidys hired Tarun, Kapik, and Sheba to run the food court at the castle. But one day, on Sheba's 18th birthday, something happened that changed literally everything. Sheba was out on the porch, looking onto the land with no one there, and she saw a bright glowing orb approaching the city. She wanted to scream, but she was frozen. The orb came closer and closer until it was hovering directly next to her. She finally was able to speak. Who are you, beautiful and bright light? The being answered. I am the great and powerful, all-knowing... Sheba couldn't understand the name and asked again. I'm sorry, who are you? It's me, silly child, the great and all-knowing... Still, Sheba couldn't understand, because honestly... The being wasn't really saying much. And if she was, it was kind of silent. Or maybe she had a speech impediment or something. Regardless, it was whack. Sorry, I can't understand what you're saying. The being became enraged and her light got bright until the light began to burn Sheba's skin. Sheba began to scream. But honestly, what is your name? You never really said it audibly. The being got angrier and burned the girl as if she was on fire or in a microwave or on naked and afraid and was left on an island in the sun for seven days without sunscreen. Sheba laid on the ground unable to move and the being realized what she had done and she floated away in shame. After hearing the commotion, Tarun and Kapik came running onto the porch to find their beautiful daughter in a burning ball on the ground. They began to weep. Who did this to you, Sheba? Who? Sheba had not many breaths left, but mustered what she could. It was... uh, Who? It was... Sheba was beginning to make out a name. Who? Tell us. Sheba took one last breath. It was Paula Abdul. Tarun and Kapik screamed and cradled their daughter and sobbed. But with her last breath, Sheba's body began to change. The form began to morph. Sheba started to look less like a girl and more like a bear. No, wait. Not a bear. A beer. Sheba became a beer. And that's the story of how Sheba became a beer. Wow. wow. Oh my goodness. Absolutely incredible. I am at the edge of my seat. I just want to say, uh, I mean, we were talking about uh, if you can confuse someone with a story, you can get them to follow you. And let yes. me just say, I will follow you anywhere. To the ends that. of the earth. Well, yeah. Thank you. I thank think you. Uh, we should make you president of literati, uh, much like you are president of your freshman class. Wow. I think that's true. And also that would help because he could take falls for any tax crimes we come under. That's true. That would be, uh, yeah, that would help a lot. Okay. Mike, I have so many questions. First off, how did it feel getting back into creative writing after all of these years? It felt... It felt really um, confusing. 
Mm. Sure. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Which He's, word goes next? That is, I kept thinking to myself, is this right? Mm. And then which I way said, does the pen go? Yeah, which way do I write? Which, which way should the story go? Mm. What will people really latch on to in the story? Is it a story for adults? Or is it a story for children? Mm. Or maybe it's one. It's sort of like a Toy Story where it's like the kids can get it, but also there's something in there for the adults. Exactly. Or Toy Story 4. <laughs> Which, well, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, Have you seen it, Colin? Toy Story 4? Yeah. No. Okay. I haven't. Well, then I guess we should stop talking about it. Well, I mean, it we is topical. Like to I mean, we can talk it, a little though. bit about it. Just we can, uh, you know, so I would just have Toy something uh, topical. Yeah. It's probably good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess we can all rate it. I'm going to give it a probably good. Okay. Probably good. I'm going to say fantastic. Oh, wow. So, Mike, I, I want to say that not only are you clearly an amazing writer, but you're also an amazing reader. A lot of uh, the guests we have on come and they read stuff they've written, which is proficient, but the way they read it is like, oh, it's like if a dictionary uh, grew mm. legs and a mouth and just was, and you had a real music. Uh, I, I could tell the performing arts background in the way you spoke it. A Thank lovely you. blend of your uh, of your talents. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. How did you bring it to life? I like to put myself in the shoes of the character that's coming up. Yeah. Mm. So I can say to myself, oh, I'm not in it yet, but mm. I will be there. And what would I like to experience mm. as the character coming up? Mm. So and the milk, the milk salesman, I say, <sighs> hmm... What do I want to feel like in a little mm-hmm. bit? And then I kind of read it for that perspective. Yeah. Oh. And so, like, what uh, what kind of shoes would the milk milkman yeah, vans? Uh, uh, yeah. So berries. It's funny you say vans because oh. I first pictured vans. Oh, okay. Okay. And then I landed back at vans. Okay. And so, yeah, the milk salesman had vans on his hands. <laughs> the like the checkered ones that ska kids wore? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. Mike, is this story supposed to be in the Bible? <laughs> yeah. A lot of, I, wow. I mean, I was picking up on some references that uh, led me to believe it, uh, you know, was referencing the Bible. Nazareth, mm-hmm. Shakira, mm-hmm. Paula Abdul, mm-hmm. lots of things that are like, okay. Milk. We, yeah. Milk. Milk and <laughs> Shakira is all over the Bible. All over Especially the Bible. Especially the Old yeah. Testament. The Old Testament is all Shakira. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess. That was you one know, of the commandments, right? One of the commandments was thou shall Shakira. Your mm-hmm. your hips shall not lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that one too. Yeah. I, two of the commandments were Shakira specific. Two of the Ten Commandments are Shakira specific. And could we should we just name the other eight? Yeah, we're at it? yeah. sure. Okay, yeah. and, and, your, and just these are from the Bible. We're these talking are the about Bible's these are from yeah. the Bible's commandments. One is uh, yeah. "Thou hip shalt not lie." Mm-hmm. Two is uh, "Thou." Uh, sh- what was the Shakira one? The uh, <laughs> "Thou obey Shakira." Thou shall obey Shakira. Okay. Was like, I think that's one. Wasn't of there them. one like anywhere? Ever something. No one where she was a. Uh, There's I know everywhere. the one where it's like uh, thou must tell their mother and father what's going on in mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. Do that. Thou shalt not murder anybody unless you feel like it. Uh, one and of you the, can get away with yeah. it. You can't murder unless you feel it. <laughs> one of the commandments is to command an audience. I love That's that. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sixth one I think is keep rhythm. Keep Just rhythm. Try, try to keep it on beat on tempo. Mm-hmm. How many are we up to? 
I think that was six, seven, seven, seven six or seven. That is one of them too. It's never miscount the commandments. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. the seventh. Yeah, yeah. Eighth one is obviously do not covet thy neighbor's Shakira albums on mm-hmm. vinyl, CD, or laserdisc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Laserdisc was actually Martin Luther in his 95 Thesis. The Reformation. Oh, he took that out. Yes. That's, oh, I remember that. It's one of the yeah. big splits. Yeah. He said, no, not the Laserdiscs. Yeah. And they said, why? He goes, don't ask me. <laughs> I'll you know, translate it into German. Mm-hmm. And then he did. And more power to him. Yeah. More power to him. And then, you know, the other two are boring ones. Yeah. So we can skip yeah. those. Crank. Crank up the volume, okay, yeah. crank and up let's the volume. turn this mother out. Yes, yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. those were the last two. Those I'm, were glad, last I'm glad we didn't skip them. And those I are famously them. the most boring yeah. of the commandments. They just are crank written the in the volume. end. They're in italics. They're italics. They're italics. So um, was your story mm. the Bible? <laughs> you know, come to think of it, that was probably the Bible. Thought so. Yeah, we thought so. Thought I, so, I, I yeah. want to know, I have so many questions. We're really big into process, so oh, that leads that. me to my next question. Mm-hmm. What was your process for writing this? I like to be quiet. I like to sit and be quiet with myself. Yeah. I like to just kind of get, you know, go inside. I like to connect with uh, with everything around me and kind of let the story tell itself mm. is really my process. I like I'm, to get high and personally. That's, that's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. If I connect, I'm buzzing off of everything around me. You know, like I, yeah. Mm. No, tell me about that. Well, it's like if I if I sit here and I touch this table, you can actually pick up on energy from the table. This table. This table. This table from IKEA. <laughs> yes, it's polyurethane. I believe it's a uh, formica top. Okay, <laughs> if you say so. So I get high off of touching the table. Colin, what do you get high <laughs> off of? Um, you know, some sometimes touching tables, but like also, you know, I like uh, heroin. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, pills I find around the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, weed if uh, if I'm not feeling uh, exciting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's a Monday through Friday yeah. drug for you. And then uh, and then yeah, Friday. I guess just touching tables. I like to touch a table. Yeah. 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 Everyone should try it at least once. Do you uh do you uh use any substances or get high off anything when trying to create Michael? No, I'm not a criminal. Um Wow. I like to obey the law and I like to respect my body, which is a temple, mm-hmm. albeit a temple with a few more chunky parts than I'd like. It's not, you know, one of those straight up and down temples. It's a, a temple, temple with, with some curves. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. A, a temple with a couple of love handles. Mm-hmm. But no, I would never do drugs. And if I did, I'd turn myself into the cops. Would you go right to the cops? Yep. Directly to the cops. So you would you would take the drug. I would and speed go... dial the cops, then take the drugs and tell mm. them, the cops would already know, so they would be mm-hmm. on their way by the time the drugs were hitting my tongue. That's so interesting because one time I was about to do a drug. Cool. And I then, mean bad. And then I called the cops. Mm. But I called the cops on a friend oh my who was driving a motorcycle down the steps of a walk-up. <laughs> Only and, in New York. And the cop said, the cop said, are you high? And I said, yes. And then I got arrested. 
Can wow. you believe that? I'm not sure if this story is true or another fiction that you've crafted because it feels like it could be either. Well, I'm touching the table right now. That's the thing with you creative types, of which Colin and I are also creative yeah. types, is that it's such it's like where does the story end? You wanna does you wanna ever you wanna have a bit of mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Always. with uh with Hunter S. Thompson, you hear all these crazy mm-hmm. stories, and part of you is like, this can't be true. be true. Some of this stuff, like they they talk about his uh, drinking and drug regimen each day, and you're like, this can't be true. But then there's something about him that you're like, maybe it is maybe true. Maybe it's true. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's true. There's always there's always a little bit of your brain that goes, that could happen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> and if you remember something, a memory is fiction. So we think a memory is fact. That's not true. Not a memory true. is fiction. The minute it's a memory, it's a story that you're telling yourself. And this I heard from a scientist. So if you're remembering it, it's already being editorialized. So that means that it's we're always telling stories. You're, you uh, had a conversation with a scientist or you read an article? It was at gunpoint. The scientist told you this at gunpoint. I needed answers quick. Oh, you had you had the you scientist. Had the gun. Yes. Yes. Where did you get a gun? So, in the Museum of Natural History, this is one of the things they don't talk about a lot. But there are all these different sections, uh-huh. and yes, you can't bring a gun in. But if you go to the section with old timey artifacts, some of those artifacts are guns. But also, uh, so I stole a gun and then I held up a stole scientist. Stole a gun. Yeah. Well, the reason initially why you stole the gun, yes. is because not only would you turn yourself in if you ever did a drug, yes, but Michael is sort of a vigilante, likes to go out looking for people. I'm doing a bit drugs. of a Batman without the costume. <laughs> but, okay. But he, but he uh, will take his gun yep. and he'll go around town and try to find people on drugs and bring them into. Yes, uh, a lot of people have been calling you me. Do self arrest? Yeah, I'm a, I do a citizen's arrest mm-hmm. of anybody. I actually who's, do love a citizen's arrest. It's nice just that we're doing something for ourselves. I agree. Yeah. Um, and specifically, I was in the Museum of Natural History because I was trying, trying to do a National Treasure movie sequel myself. You were doing it yourself. Like trying to steal shots, like guerrilla style? Like no, guerrilla I was just trying to solve. I was just trying to solve oh, the mystery. You, okay. I was th- what was the mystery? Where is the money that I need? Oh. So that was more of like a mystery. It was a personal mystery. It was mystery. a personal mystery. Smaller uh-huh. stakes, but still for my life, very big stakes. Did you think there was money in there for you? Have you seen National Treasure? I honestly have not. I, I have not I, would, I bet I would love it. Basically, long story short, Nicolas Cage uses American artifacts to find hidden treasure. Serious? Yeah. Back of the Constitution is a map to treasure. So if he could do that, then what do you think is on the foot of a woolly mammoth at the National History Museum? (laughs) What is on the foot? Well, what I found out is that it's an alarm system rigged up to the rest of the museum that calls the cops on you. Even oh. if you're trying to do a good and thing. Michael also heard the term skeleton key. And so he thought key. if he goes to mm. like where they have like the dinosaur bones and stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. that all those bones are keys to stuff. That makes sense to yeah. me. I would think honestly something very similar. Yeah. And what do you what do you give the National Treasure movies? So we got Toy Story, you had Fantastic. And yeah. Mm-hmm. National Treasure movies, untouchable. <laughs> That's my rating. Untouchable. Mike, I had a couple more questions. Um, What does this story mean? Like, is there a moral or a message? Um, Is it an allegory? And before you uh, say, uh, Michael and I just want to say, we got it. 
Yeah, but just okay. for the listeners. Like, I got yeah, it. Totally. Yeah, for we sure. understand. I felt that you guys were on yeah. board the entire time. I was nodding so hard that my chin bruised my neck. Mm-hmm. And now you know what it feels like to have a part of your chin. Yeah, missing. that's true. That's yeah, true. You have a you have a bruised ap- Adam's apple. Yes, I have a big welty yeah. Adam's bruised, apple. Bruised fruit. Right. Bruised yeah. fruit. Yeah. Bruised fruit, Adam's yeah. apple, yeah. welt. Yes. Yeah. So... So yeah, what does it mean? I'm glad. Mean? I'm really glad you asked this because, yes. you know, after I wrote it, I put it away, and then I opened it back up, mm. and then I read it again, and I said, "What is the message here?" And then I thought to myself, "I know what the message is. The message is." Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yes, and that is such an important thing for young writers to know is if you're going out trying to make art specifically to say something, it's going to be cheap. It's going to mm-hmm. be hacky. I'm not Banksy. Yeah, the message, the moral that should not, shall not be spoken. Yeah, let yeah. it just be. Let it just be unearthed. Let each person bring their own thing to it. You know, that's why I like impressionistic paintings. Mm. If you're gonna do a painting of an apple i look mm. at it i say it's an apple i get it if you're gonna do a banksy like you said of um two cops beheading a flag mm-hmm. then you know i get that immediately and michael does go through the museums and he'll if he sees like a a, a tableau a, of a a, mm. a piece of fruit he'll go that's an apple i get it and he moves on to the I next one on. he's like you know. that's a naked lady having a picnic i get it moves i get on. through museums very fast yeah. but when you get to the impressionistic stuff um the monets the mm-hmm. jackson pollocks uh the, even some of the jasper johns uh-huh it's about a feeling mm-hmm. it's about oh here's a strange uh mixture of light mm-hmm. and color and what do i see in it i see my mother's penis and, exactly. But each person sees their own thing. <laughs> now we're thing. talking. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that to me is what I want people to think. I want people to be listening to my story and go, what does this mean? This, this is my traumatic experience where I ate a piano as a child. Mm-hmm. And key I am, by key? Key by key. Oh. And all of my teeth yes. fell out. And now I have teeth that are made from shark skin wow shark skin mm-hmm. that's amazing and that's what that to me that is art so i art, was gonna say brush more but now that i know that it's shark skin teeth shark I'm saying, wow. actually a lot of people walking around with yeah. shark skin teeth wow and you don't know it but have you ever looked at a picture and been almost blinded by a smile oh no <laughs> Okay, well, then I've you been have blinded. not seen you I've have been, not seen shark skin teeth. Okay. okay, I've been almost blinded by a corner of a frame painting uh, that almost hit yeah. you yeah. during a move. Uh, during moves, I sometimes get too close to the paintings. You're a, you're a very close wall walker. Yes, yeah. That I've been blinded is, by the light. Okay, that's very similar. Light is a very similar consistency to shark skin oh okay interesting so if you were actually to travel to the sun and you were if you were able to find some kind of suit that allowed you to to be on the sun yeah you would land on it and go wow this feels like shark skin okay wow that's interesting that feels wrong but i trust you sunsuit yeah oh but maybe this conversation is now entering the realm of art 
Yeah. Is the conversation, uh, why does a conversation have to move linearly? Why does it have to have a point? Right, you know? or uh, an arc, or why would exactly. the people asking questions need to prepare some sort of trajectory for the interview to go in? Maybe that's on the listener to bring their own life experiences to it, and if they don't, then it's on them for you, not having a rich enough inner life. Fault. You weren't if prepared yes. to listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. You can... Bring your own experiences to our podcast. Why should we have to bring ours every time we come I, here? And if yeah. yes, no, go. I was going to say if anyone didn't get anything from it, my suggestion to them would be to stop everything right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, take a second to yourself, or two, or two, and restart the podcast. I I, I would love it if people would restart the podcast. Uh, or listen to the other ones. Uh, I find that this one makes more sense if you've listened to every other podcast and rated, reviewed, and subscribed. That would be, that to me is why we're here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you said, time is a constant square. And I never said that. (laughs) But you inferred it. I did infer it. You You inferred it. it. And now, speaking of uh, conversations that might go over people's heads and, uh, you know, being smarter than the average person, uh, Michael and I today are trying to help our listeners appear smarter. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways you can do that is by, you know, improving your vocab or incorporating certain smart sounding phrases into your everyday uh, speech. So I love that. So it's, it's like putting a nice pair of bifocals on a pig. Yeah. Or a Patagonia on top of a tuxedo or exactly. something. So uh, you want to try your hand at uh, we can take turns kind of we'll throw yeah, out some of these words and just seamlessly incorporate yeah, them into our everyday conversation. Yeah. Or, or uh, yeah, we can. Uh, yeah, we can take a stab at saying a sentence that incorporates uh, these. uh so, uh, so I guess the first one, uh, use the word jocular instead of funny, okay? okay? If you want to okay. sound smarter. So you can say something like, it was very jocular when the fat man's pants fell down. See, now I'm looking, Colin, what a smart guy for you. Very that smart man. Language. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you want to take a stab yeah, at either sure, that one sure. or let if there's that. another one? Um, Yes, sure, for sure. Um, I was so jocular that all the inmates beat the shit out of me. Oh. So, so you were so funny that they beat they the beat shit the out of you? Yeah. They, they, they were, attacked you because you well, were funny. There's a bigger yeah. story there, for sure. And then I'm sure some of the other inmates found that very jocular. They did. Yeah, well, everybody was laughing. They were yeah, joculating the entire time. Do you want to try one, Mike? Sure. Um, hey, read this Snapple cap. It's quite jocular. That's really good. I like that a lot. That's really good. I like that a lot. Uh, I've got one last one. Um, I was a jocular in high school. Okay. Uh, Mom, don't come in here. I'm ejaculating. (laughs) Good. Yes. Suddenly, like these are all really intellectual conversations I'd like to be a part of. I may be laughing and semen's coming out of my mouth. (laughs) Semen's coming out of your mouth? As well, you're laughing? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Either way, mom, don't come, <laughs> come in. Don't come in. Uh, so uh, I guess uh, another word you can uh, uh, try to incorporate is uh, uh, assiduous, mm-hmm. uh, meaning, uh, you know, working tirelessly or diligently. Uh, so, you know, uh, the entrepreneur has to be assiduous to succeed would be an example. Uh, does anything come to mind for anyone uh, as a... Mm, mm-hmm. I assiduously ate 10 burritos in a row and then mm. threw up. I love that. Yeah. It puts it puts a lot of work into something that is enjoyable 
Yeah. For four, three or four. Yeah. yeah. And it makes me uh, seem, again, sophisticated. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh, I uh, was very assiduous in my training. And then I won the pie eating contest at the county fair. That's similar oh, to mine. Yeah, similar, the a little similar. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's good. I like um, that. I guess I would say, sorry I'm late. I'm very assiduous today. <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> that's good one. That's a good one. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I have another one. Okay. I, I assiduously collected all 50 state quarters. Spending my entire really life savings, and on and there's it's not just words; it's also phrases you can use. Mm. Uh, so, like uh, the phrase, uh, "I'd like to broaden our discussion." So you could say something like, "You know what? This is very interesting, but I'd like to broaden our discussion. Mm. Let's talk about how cute cats are in addition to puppies." Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, and then yeah, you sound very good. smart. I'd like to broaden our discussion. So let me bring this broad in. Everybody say hi to my mom. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she She's not going to be able to make it. She's not coming? No, she's not coming. Okay, well. She's I at a denim she... convention. Really? Yeah. She's collecting different types of Which, denim. Which, what, what city? Uh, Detroit. Oh, yeah. There's no, a Denver. De- oh, Denver's funnier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew there was one happening in Detroit. I didn't know there was one happening in Denver. Yeah, it's uh, it's nationwide. Oh, wow. All the biggest cities. Are All there. the big cities are doing denim conventions. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, look, I'll pick up another Tic Tac, but first I'd like to broaden this conversation. <laughs> Again, I'm like, ooh, I'm in that scene. I'm seeing Mike looking at this pile of Tic Tacs ready to pick one up. And you're like, I'm gonna, I'm going to have one of these. But before I do... Let's broaden the conversation. Let's broaden the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then I'm gonna have a Tic Tac. Because in my mind, someone just said, why don't you pick up another Tic Tac? And I said, not yet. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. In my own time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First of all, why don't you broaden the the conversation? Broaden the conversation. Here's one. Uh, Saying it was more of a blunder than a failure... Sort of, uh, it sounds smarter and sort of softens the blow, uh, any mistakes you might make, ah. apparently. So you could say, uh, you know, like uh, Chernobyl was more of a blunder than a failure. Yes, exactly. You know. uh, my parents say I was more of a blunder than a failure when they found me in that blender. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was going to say. Mm. Um, yes, please. I was going to say. Um, well, a feather is actually not so much a pen, and it was more of a blunder than a failure. <laughs> Again, another crisp. I'm like, so good. You set so these good. up in a way where I'm like, there are people debating these things. Yeah. And, mm. and uh, I think there's one last one. Oh, uh, wait, I had one oh, more you blunder. Have one? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was more. This is from my own life. Uh, it was more of a blunder than a failure when I got kicked out at the Thunder from Down Under show in las vegas for touching the dancers <laughs> yeah that that is quite a i would say it was that more teeters, of a blunder than it a teeters on full-on failure teeters well that's another word you can uh, teeters yeah. totter but yeah. they won't uh get um, me out of jail any sooner and then finally uh one one thing uh you can say uh you should say uh yes when it makes you sound smarter this huh. is something you can use at work I love when uh, your boss needs you to do something, you say yes when, and it sounds like you sound assured, assured of yourself, 
and you sound uh, like you're going to take initiative. So are you no- asking when is it happening, or are you <laughs> I, saying I don't know? Like, this one, yes, I'm when. not sure. <laughs> it <laughs> should one, be incorporated. This is, if I nor say, does it make if, us- I, if your boss says I need you to get this done for me, and you say yes, when it sounds like you're being assertive, proactive, assertive. Exactly. To the so point. now I think I think mm-hmm. it, I think it'll start to make more sense. I'm going to ask you. I'll ask Great. you both a question. Ready. Great. And you answer, okay? Uh, would you both like to go to the Hanson reunion concert with me? Yes. yes when? when? Exactly. See, you sound smarter. Yeah. No, that's true. I felt smarter, too. Because it's like I you're doing two things at once. Yeah. You're yeah. agreeing and then also scheduling. Yeah. And then I'd also like to just say uh, uh, July 16th, and I've already got us all tickets. So. Oh. Cool. See, that was I'm smart excited. of us to say yes, when? Because I hadn't bought my tickets yet, so now we have. Yeah. Tickets with Colin. Do you think they're going to do Umbop? They got they, if they don't do Umbop, you have to get your money back. Okay. If you go to a Hanson concert and they don't sing Umbop, I will, I will, I will, I will freak out. Okay. And you, and the thing is, is that they all you know they're also going to like push it to the very end. It's, they're not going to come right out. The and second do it. encore, exactly. For sure. Yeah. And so that just that sort of like. Uh, like raises sort of the anticipation. Like, are they going to do it? They have to do it. They're not going to not do it, right? I mean, I went to a Robin concert where she did not sing Show Me Love. And I what? swear to God, I left and I was so mad. I was did so mad. Did you do mad. Call Your Girlfriend, though? Of course. Okay, then I'm happy. No, you're not. So- because if she doesn't sing, no, like... We don't have to. Show me love and what it's all about. <laughs> yes, when... And you know what I just did there? Yeah, you incorporated our smart phrase and you made yourself seem very smart. Let's open the discussion. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. You yourself have a podcast on Forever Dog, is that correct? Uh, yes, that's correct. Well, what is it and when can we be on it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a feeling getting you two on it would be so hard, but I'm willing to no, do not really. the work. We're not doing anything else. <laughs> I I mean because it's a it's a spirituality podcast about diving into my own spirituality. Do you want to do and it later, like after this recording? Because we can just stick around. We have another guest, but we can bump him. We're desperate. Nobody on Forever Dog has asked us to be on the podcast yet. Are you serious? Well, Brett Davis did, but I don't know if that was for that us would make or that me, nobody I, else could do. That his. would make me mad. <laughs> I would be mad at that, and I'd like to open up the discussion. <laughs> oh man, uh, I'll, you know what? I'll figure out a way to have you on. Mike, I'm going to figure out. Let a way. me tell you, Colin and I are not just trying to, you know, stretch this out as long as possible and make it awkward for the point of comedy. We are forcing you to amend your schedule to incorporate us. Okay? okay. Yeah. That's what I want you to take away from today. That's fair. I will say that's fair. Can I say thank you for bringing the pop chips? <laughs> well, you're but welcome. I could not eat them because we were recording, and I was I was scared we were going to crunch. I know, well, uh, but it has been an absolute mm, absolute pleasure. We love you, and uh, I have a. I think we can sign off, and then I have a special treat. Okay, that great. can play us out. Okay, great. ready? And, and that's, that's the end, end of that chapter. chapter. Oh yes! Mm. All right. But seriously, whenever you want, we're on. I was raised Irish Catholic. Oh, my dad's Jewish, so there's a lot I could get into. Went to a Jesuit college. Guardian Angels. Okay, yeah, maybe I'm not right for this podcast. <laughs> More like Guardians. Do you have a Guardian Angel? Because then we can talk. <laughs> I don't, sadly. I have a little Guardian Devil. Okay, maybe season three. Forever. Dog. 
This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.